walls went up on our studio this weekend. Woot woot. I'm so excited. Me too. It's going to be so cool to have our own little studio. And then we could have a tech guy come and set up our 76 microphones that we bought. And then we can just pick a different one every day. Right. It'll be great. Since we keep buying them and like we said, we don't know how to use them. It's (laughs) exciting though to do that. It's going to be cool to have, you know, this stuff in a location where children will stop (laughs) picking this up and be like, mom, why are there letters from serial killers sitting here? Yeah. Yeah. And a spot that we don't have to haul things. My kids need therapy. My house, your house. My... They need therapy. It's a good thing I've got <laughs> connections in this field, Seriously. man. I'm telling you. Sometimes, I don't know. I don't know. I remember when I was in undergrad. This is not a funny story, but it's kind of a funny story. I've mentioned before that, I mean, early on in undergrad, I knew that I wanted to go into psychology. And I was completely obsessed with Andrea Yates, with mm-hmm. that case. And every paper that I wrote, whether it was for English or abnormal psych or anything, I would I would write on Andrea Yates in this case. Not because the concept of filicide, if you don't know what that means, it's death of children by their parent, specifically their mother. Um, not not because that interested me. It was because I'm a, I'm a single mom of five kids and I could not understand. I cannot wrap my head around the, the, the fact that a mother is capable of doing that. So it was super interesting to me. And so every paper that I would write was on filicide. And my, my firstborn son, who's 19 now, he never stayed in his room at night when I'm like trying to write papers and I have all of, the, all of these, these case files and all of this research laid out on our kitchen table and I'm writing. And I kept it picked up during the day and put away. But at night when I was doing schoolwork, like it was a lot of research and, and he would come out of his room and I would quit grab everything and in a hurry, you know, and put it in a pile and, and, you know, protect it from him. So he wouldn't see what I was researching. And there was, but then it would took a great deal of time to like separate everything back out and whatever. And one night it was, we were getting to, to finals and Everything was laid out, and it was like the 20th time that he came out at night. And that time I was like, literally, I'm not like, fine. You want to see what I'm doing? This is what I'm doing. And he looks at it, and he picks it up, and he reads it. He's like 11 or 12 at this point, and he sees it, and his eyes get really big. And he put down the paper, and he's like, Mom, I love you. I'm going to bed now. And I'm like, good night. And he went to bed, and I'm typing my paper, whatever, and I was like, hold on a second. (laughs) So I went downstairs and I was like, okay, son, this is what I'm studying and this is what I'm doing. Like, you don't have any reason to be afraid. He's like, why is she researching how to kill her drowning her children? Right. He was like, he was really freaked out for a second. When I went into his room, he was like, blankets up to his chin, laying straight on his bed, stiff as a board. He's He's going to kill you for telling this story. I love you, mom. (laughs) (laughs) But now, now that we're like, Doing this and the scenarios like that again, you know, we've got all these case reports and and whatever laying around. I'm like, we need a space that children are not around. We need we need a private space so that children cannot accidentally view some of the grotesque things that we really talk about. Yeah, they're babies. And yeah, seriously. <laughs> but 
but I, I thought about that the other day. I was like, man, it's going to be so nice. So this weekend when walls went up on the studio, I was like, oh, we're so close. And I know it's just walls, but. It's walls. It's walls. It's a step closer and I'm excited. Yes, me too. Did you have a good weekend? I did. Good. Just plug the wound. Yeah, you didn't go fishing? No. You didn't? No. My, um, when my book, when my book came out. Um, a friend of mine bought me something that I've wanted for a very, very, very long time that I am just too cheap to go and buy on my own (laughs) because they're very expensive. He bought me a fly fishing pole. I've wanted to learn how to fly fish. I feel like that'd be way less boring than just fishing. Yeah. Fishing is really boring. Actually pretty difficult. Yeah. And I, I was thinking that I totally had it down and I was like, I don't know why these people are correcting me and telling me 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, blah, 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 blah. And so I I recorded myself fishing so that I could see what I was doing. I look like a complete lunatic out there. Really? Yes. That's awesome. I have no idea what I'm doing. But it's fun and I want to learn. Yeah. And when my book came out, that was my present for... I was excited. I, I mean, like, I, I when he pulled it pulled it out I actually screamed and I was like ah I'm so excited they're expensive they they are but I'm I haven't been out to try it out yet because you know the wind is blowing 90 miles an hour and there's you know raining and we're in rain season now so yeah but I will and it'll be fun we have lots of places to go fly fishing so I'm excited to try that that's awesome yeah do you like to fish Oh, that's funny. That's what I just said. I don't like fishing, but I would be down to like learn to fly fish because that seems significantly less. Pull my eyelashes out. It's so funny because my husband loves fishing. My husband loves you fishing. You used to go fishing with your husband all the time. Yeah, it's really boring. Before he was your husband. <laughs> Obviously, it's a game we play, ladies. <laughs> oh my god! You gotta be the funny. perfect girl, then lock it down, and then you can just read books at home and not go with Ugh, him anymore. I've read two books this week. You have which mm-hmm. books? Um, if he had been with me and then I started the Court of Rose, uh, the Court of Thorn and Roses series this week. Uh, who's the author? Sarah Mass is the court. And I don't, I don't remember who. Oh, nice. Was. Huh. I'm into it. I only Perfect. have like five more books in that series to read, so it's awesome. fine. Awesome. Well, good. Good. I'm glad I like being good... cozy and reading. Perfect. That's my thing. I don't like to read. I love to read. Isn't that funny? I'm an author and I don't like to read. I love to read. I like to write. <laughs> I don't like to read. That's funny. It is funny. <laughs> I am Tracy. I am Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. Thanks for joining us. Yes. What did you bring me today? So I'm kind of... <laughs> kind of going... I probably beat you to the punch because this is usually something that you would cover. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk about crimes of passion today. Oh, man. Did I beat you to the punch? You did. Have you started research? I No, I haven't. Oh, good. Perfect. So, in criminal law, a crime of passion is a crime committed in the heat of passion mm-hmm. or in response to being provoked. So, as opposed to a crime that is premeditated or you did it deliberately. Right. So, um, being provoked service, serves as a partial defense in a charge of murder because... It does not completely excuse the crime, but you usually get less time because it wasn't like you weren't, like, malicely going out and right. doing yep. something. Yeah. So, 
For example, successfully showing that killing occurred in the heat of passion has lowered many murder charges to manslaughter. Correct. Charges. Mm -hmm. Additionally, in today's episode, I want to talk about the gay panic defense or the transphobic defense because they kind of go hand in hand. Um, You rolled your eyes and you're like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I actually... And I don't want to, like, jump in here if it's something that you're going to talk about later, but you see this defense a lot with women who kill their husbands and then say, I was abused. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had a couple clients that I've worked with who who did that and actually only served, you know, three years or so in prison because they said, well, I was abused. Right. You know, not that night, not during you know, that episode or, you know, during that, that specific event that they get manslaughter charges instead of murder charges. Yeah. Uh, it's wild. But so, um, these defenses fall under the label of crime of passion, like I said. So gay panic, trans, all of that, anything that. Gay panic falls under crime of passion. passion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It does. So, in the United States, um, claims of crimes of passion have been traditionally associated with defenses of temporary insanity or mm-hmm. being provoked, like I said. Uh, it was used as a defense in murder cases during the 1940s and 1950s the most. There are more cases from 40s and 50s as crimes of passion than any other, like, 10-year span, which is interesting to me. With with this specific With defense, crimes of pa- passion. In general or with the... Gay no, just just crimes of passion. So generalized, oh. it just says generalized crimes of passion. That was used as a defense more between 1940 and 1950 than any other 10-year span. Do you know dates really well? Mm. When did the Great Depression happen? Oh, was it about that time? I think it was. I mean, about the time that women went into the job force. Yeah. So so we're so. I'm just trying to make some kind of correlation between... So, Great Depression... So, that would be right at the end of the Great Depression. So, the Great Depression was 1929 to 1939. So, the 10 years following that. So, when women went into the job force. Mm -hmm. When women weren't at work anymore, or at home anymore, being sheltered and protected, they were out in the world, meeting other men, being exposed to things that... They hadn't been. I just... I just... Yeah. That isn't interesting, because I didn't think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. Going from a housewife that only saw her stayed husband in the house and, and, and her other female friends that were wait, having tea and stuff waiting for their husbands to come home. Right. That is kind of a good, good thought there. Look yeah, I was you. just wondering what that, what that correlation could have possibly been. So I want to give a few, this is why I say it's kind of like a Tracy episode, but I did it, um, is I'm going to give like some examples of cases like rapid fire here. Uh-huh. So on May 28th, 1998, comedian Phil Hartman was shot and killed by his wife, Bryn, who committed suicide hours after his murder. Excuse me, I swallowed my spit wrong. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whew. At least I didn't start coughing. The shocking murder-suicide that left the couple's two children orphaned um, stunned the family and their friends. The Hartmans had been married for 10 years, but Bryn was deeply troubled and the marriage had been suffering due to his, due to her drug use. On the night of the murder, Bryn returned home intoxicated and got in a very heated argument with Phil. He threatened to leave her if she started to use drugs again. 
While Hartman was sleeping, Bryn shot him three times with a handgun. After the shooting, Bryn drove to a friend's house and confessed her crime, and he um, did not believe her. When, they return, when she returned home, her friend, um, she went inside and committed suicide. Her friend then went over and then found both of them and contacted police. So this would fall under crime. They classify this as a crime of passion due to the argument before and him saying that he was going to leave her. Oh. So the case law describes this as a crime of passion due to the argument that led and hit the threat of him leaving. Mm. Which is interesting because how many cases do we see where they're like, I'm going to leave you, get it together. Right. That isn't mm. a crime of passion. So, one of the most bizarre and unforgettable crimes of passion, we've talked about her before. Can you guess? Lorena Bobbitt. Yes, ma'am. Really? Yep. June 23rd, 1993, Lorena Bobbitt attacked her husband and cut off approximately 2.5 centimeters of his penis after he allegedly raped her. According to her court testimony, Lorena left the house, threw his severed penis along the side of the road. I'm sorry. I, that is not funny. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face, though. She realized the seriousness of this incident and called 911 herself. Surgeons were able to retach Bobbitt's penis, and the jury found Lorena not guilty due to her husband's sexual abuse and her insanity, which we've yeah. talked about before. Tracy's informed us that he's a porn star, so it's fine. Very successful fine. porn star. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. And she only did 45 days for mental evaluation in a mental hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Counts but as- she got, but I promise you, he never put her hand, his hands on her again. Oh, yeah. She didn't cut off much of his penis. 2.5 centimeters. I know. I was like, whoa, he must have been. Sorry. <laughs> so, that's interesting. And I'm just going to throw this in here. Did you see the new Florida law that just passed last week? I think we talked about this a few days ago. Yeah, the um, child sex I don't know it. I don't know it well off the top of my head, but it is something to the effect of if someone um, stalks and gets a child under the age of like twelve or thirteen and sexually assaults them or rapes them, rapes them, it is death penalty for them. So, dun, dun, dun. I'm just saying. I mean. Props to people for finally taking sexual assault and rape as serious as it is. Yeah. But, I mean, when you look at her case, you know, I mean, he was raping her. And just because he's the husband doesn't mean that husbands can't rape their wives. No means no, regardless of your legal status with that person. Right. 100%. And, I mean, I'm not condoning what she did. It was 2.5 centimeters. But it was... (laughs) It was just the tip. Literally <laughs> just the tip. Well, that we know. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we need to go to Pornhub and, and take mark. a look. <laughs> oh. So the infa- um, infamous love triangle, and I'm going to say his last name wrong, um, between Joey Buccifecho and his wife, Mary Jo, and his mistress, Amy Jo, or Amy Fisher, became one of the biggest stories of the 90s. Yep. Do you remember this? I do. I want to cover this case someday just a heads up so i will go deep farther into this one she is known as the long island loretta yep um so on may 19th 1992 do you remember this i do oh my gosh we never find one that you remember that's mean that's not mean but like when i bring them just like when you bring them i never remember know any of them yeah i used to watch tv 
In the 90s? <laughs> in the 90s, when I didn't have anything better to do, and life was simple. <laughs> so, Joey was a New York auto um, body shop owner and was having an affair with 17-year-old mm-hmm. Amy Fisher. Yep. Who would subsequently shoot his wife, Mary Jo, in the face. Yep. On May 19th, 1992, um, Fisher went, um, accompanied with Joey, took the house to confront, took him to Mary's house to confront her. She went in and told uh, the wife that, the oh my gosh, I can't say words today, that Joey was having an affair with her 16-year-old sister, not her. She was like, your husband's sleeping with my 16-year-old sister. Mary Jo brushed it off, told her to leave her property. Amy then came inside and shot her in the head. Mary Jo survived this, mm-hmm. um, but she did lose hearing, hearing in one ear and had partial um, paralysis to one side of her face. Fisher's jealousy turned deadly, and um, she served seven years in prison for, for first-degree attempted murder. Joey would serve six months for statutory rape because she was 17. He 100% conned this teenage girl into going and, like, shooting his wife. Well, and, and what, six months. what kind of piece of shit takes this freaking girlfriend to confront his wife like his wife is doing anything wrong? Like, you're the scumbag that can't keep your dick in your pants. Literally. And he got six months. I feel like he should and have gotten, so like... so much of a man that you're taking a child to confront your wife because you're too big of a puss to do it yourself? To just walk in and say, hey, I want a divorce. I hope she divorced him and took everything that he had. He's gross. I hope he got it. Sorry. She, he should be missing 2.5 centimeters. <laughs> Literally. So on Freaking Ju- men. <laughs> God. On July 11th of 2009, Canadian boxer Arturo Gatti was found dead in a Brazilian hotel while on vacation with his wife Amanda and their infant son. Amanda spent 10 hours in the hotel before she realized that her husband was in there with her dead. What? Ten hours. She didn't know that in this hotel room that her husband was dead. And her blood-stained purse strap led the authorities to believe that actually she knew all along and she had killed him. <laughs> His widow, I always say this wrong, like, vehemently, like, she wholeheartedly was like, I did not kill my husband. <sighs> and said, he must have committed suicide. That's wild. Oh. Wild. Brazilian police let her go and ruled her de- ruled his death as a suicide. Nice. But the Canadian government said, mm, I think that needs a little bit more investigation. In 2011, so four years later, right. a private investigator reported Arturo's death as a homicide, but she was never arrested. She got away with it. Huh. You're in a hotel. I've been to a lot of hotels, motels. I've. Have you now? Not in that way, but, like, traveling. Yeah. They're not very big. How did you no. not know for ten hours that your husband's, like... Maybe they had a suite. Maybe. Maybe. She just stayed in one room the entire time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. For ten hours. Perhaps. Interesting. In 2006... I mean, as a follow-up case to the one before that, I'm on her side. Okay? <laughs> he just took his 17-year-old girlfriend to confront his wife. Okay? I'm on her side. <laughs> Oh my goodness. In 2006, a Belgian skydiving love triangle went terribly wrong when 38-year-old woman plunged to her death after her parachute didn't open. It seemed that the male member of the skydiving club was substantially having an affair with the married mother of two and a 26-year-old woman with a history of mental issues. 
The younger woman cut the ropes of her competition's parachute, causing the woman to crash to the ground at 120 miles per hour. Oh, my God. That's one way to... Get rid of the competition. Holy crap. Yeah. A little aggressive. A little aggressive. So now we're going to go into more of the... So those are more crimes of passion. So it's usually like a love triangle or like your husband raping you or abuse. It's a crime of passion or infidelity. Like just... Say goodbye to somebody before you go start sleeping with somebody else. Like, come it's on. It's not that hard. If you don't want to be with somebody, just tell them you don't want to be with them. Seriously. We don't need to be cutting people's parachutes or cutting people's dicks. We don't need to do that. Or just be, just have some integrity, We don't need to beings. do that. Crime of passion. I was a scumbag and I was cheating on my girl and then I wonder why she went crazy. I don't know. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, I want to go more into examples of, like, gay panic trans panic now. (laughs) Tracy, why are you still single and not remarried? Because they're all crazy. Everybody's crazy. (laughs) Everybody is crazy. So, Edward J. Kempf was a psychiatrist who coined the term homosexual panic. So, in 1920. Really? um, And identified it as a condition of panic due to the pressure of uncontrollable preserved sexual cravings. What? That's what the definition was. And classified it as an acute um, disassociative... uh, Disassociative? Thank you. um, Disorder. Meaning that it involved a disruption of typical perception and memory function. Okay. This disorder disorder was briefly included in the DSM-1 as a um, supplementary term to Appendix C, but did not appear in any um, additions following. Right. And thus, not no longer considered a diagnosable condition in the by the American Psychiatric Association. Right. But kind of wild that it made it in there for a little while. Right. In 1920. Right. Know. And then following, they were like, yeah, okay, that is probably I don't not- know that being scared of gays and trans people is like an actual mental disorder. No. I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. So, a couple examples of this one. Daniel Spencer was a quiet um, was a quiet 32 year old film editor who had recently moved to Austin, Texas, from Los Angeles. He and was also gay. In 2015, his neighbor James Miller stabbed him to death. The case was harrowing, um, but a quit a legal quirk uncovered during the trial made things even worse. Mr. Miller introduced the gay panic defense into court, arguing that at some point in the night, the um, night of the murder, Mr. Spencer had tried to kiss him. Um, the victim apparent homosexuality made Mr. Miller fearful for his safety and then diminished his responsibility for killing him. Despite a lack of physical evidence and the fact that Mr. Miller defended himself by stabbing the victim twice in the back. In the back. He was sentenced to just six months in jail and 10 years probation. Hmm. One of the most high-profile cases that used the gay panic defense in their trial. Ugh! It's going to piss me off, isn't it? Matt okay, Sh- well, let's talk about that one for a second. Not Matt, not Matt but okay. the one before. About Mr. Yeah. So let's just say if that's... If, if the theory and, and the argument is that... That... A man tried to kiss him and he was fearful of his life because the man is is what? I mean, let's make some hypotheses here. Trying to kiss him. 
He's trying to kiss him. He's trying to make a move on him because it's a man, so he's strong, probably stronger than him, probably taller than him, probably, you know, whatever. Does that mean that that would be a reasonable so that thing mean, for us to say if saying. a man kisses us because men are stronger than us? They're, you know, if just because somebody's trying to kiss you, which people don't just walk up unless you're Lady Gaga. You don't just walk up to a stranger <laughs> and kiss them. There's got to be something, you know, prefacing that. So if any man who tries to kiss me, I can stab in the back because I'm afraid of him. Yeah. Or I say that I'm afraid. So like, next time I'm at the bar, if somebody comes is over. Is that and- reasonable? According to if you use gay panic defense. Because regardless of whether it's a man, it's a woman, it's a it's a whatever, a simple yo, bro, like that's that's not my gig, would probably shut it down. Did we try that first? And they'd probably be like embarrassed because they got the signals wrong. How many times have you like hit on somebody and then been like, oh, I'm not, you're embarrassed. Never, never. Shut that up. Never shut up. That is too happened to you. Ever. Shut Tell up. me one time that it's ever happened to me. I don't know. I'm not you. Ever. Never. Okay. Apparently Tracy's never been rejected by a man in her life. That's because I don't approach men. <laughs> I don't. I don't put me. I don't put myself in a position to be rejected. That's a straight lie. Oh, man. Yeah, I just thought of one. Oof. Okay. Now when that happened, were you embarrassed? I was pissed. Okay. Either. You know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. it's. You can say, hey, I'm not into it. You can say, hey, I'm not into it. Yeah, you can. You might, and the the other person, other party involved probably is going to be embarrassed. Absolutely. That they got the signals wrong. Yeah. There's no need to be like wielding knives at people. Right. But, but the person who's being come on to doesn't get mad. It's the person that gets rejected that gets mad. Yeah. Because our feelings get hurt. Right? Yeah. Hmm. Just saying. I think the gay. I think the gay panic defense is so ridiculous. Me too, especially because most of the people that are uh, most of these air quote men who are afraid of men who are gay would absolutely die to have a threesome with two women. Two women getting it on is hot, but a guy being gay is absolutely grotesque to them. Enough to they're gonna stab them to death. Yeah, there's no difference. There's no difference. If gay is gay, then gay is gay, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get so whatever about that, and and you're about to talk about my friend. So I'm not because we've talked about this. We've talked about how you grew up with Matt, and you were very good friends with Matt. So I didn't go. We've talked about it. I'm not. Gonna... We're talking about Matthew Shepard, the UW student who was brutally mm-hmm. tortured. And killed in Laramie, Wyoming at the University of Wyoming. Yeah. Well, the defense in the trial of the two men that attacked Matt um, claimed that he had, that he was driven to the violence when Matt allegedly touched his knee and he felt like he was hitting on him at the bar. Oh. I mean, it's a, Matt Riles, Matt's case riles both of us up when you look into it because there's so much false information and so much like Honestly, just bullshit that comes out about him. Yeah. And it's not fair. Since when, why do we victim blame? Well, okay. Let's so, let's talk about what disgusting piles of shit these men were. Yeah. Matt had, not, that was not Matt's fault. And it, you can read different theories on why they did it. No, they were just vile, disgusting human beings. 
Right. And if you just take what they just said just right there and you disregard everything that you know about the case, because you know a lot about it, because again, Matt was my friend. Mm -hmm. He was a friend of mine. I grew up with this kid. Mm -hmm. Like like I knew Matt. Right. And Matt, um, first of all, let me physically describe him. He was small stature. He was not... 100 pounds he was thin he wasn't a bodybuilder he wasn't tall he wasn't um he he was he wasn't he was outgoing in the in the in the sense that he would light up a room like he would make jokes and he Mm -hmm. was really really fun to be around all the time and really goofy he was never forceful he was never aggressive ever and i knew this kid i knew him and never he was never like that so if he touched their leg I just like put this into my perspective of like how I interact with people I touch people all the time yeah like if it's I'm t- Wyoming people usually are well and it's compassion like I want people to know when I'm talking to them and when I'm engaging with them that I want to be engaging with them and when I talk to people I'll touch their hands I'll touch their shoulder I'll I hug people all the time mm-hmm. I you know is that coming on to someone is that sexual Apparently. No, it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So saying he touched my leg, so I, I thought he was hitting on me. No, hitting on you is saying some kind of corny, you know, did you fall from heaven because you should, you know, I yeah. mean, and hitting on someone is asking them out on a date or being. Well, and we've talked about it before. This shouldn't have even stood because well, right after they, me. yeah, no, but, but like it shouldn't have even brought up because as soon as they got done brutally attacking him they went in town and beat the crap out of a a black man in town no they were just vile human beings they were just disgusting humans they got exactly what they deserved in fact i'm surprised that wyoming didn't give them the death penalty because of the cruelty Mm -hmm. and the inhumane six days Mm -hmm. matt was tied to a fence post and left in october in wyoming bleeding and in the weather and I'm shocked that Wyoming didn't give him the death penalty for what they did to Matt. Yeah. In May of... But to say the the gay defense, gay... What is it called? Gay panic defense. Gay panic. Take a pill, bro. Gain some confidence. Get over yourself. Agreed with that. Um, I'm going to say this guy's name really, really wrong. Just a public, public service announcement there. In May of 2022, former Virginia Tech football player Ismanel Ituti. Oh, I think you said it perfectly. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I don't think it's right. I think it was The last perfect. name is E-T-U-T-E. Oh, you did a great. It's exactly how I would have done it. Well, he, anyway. was, he was found not guilty of second degree murder in 2021. Of the death of Jerry Smith, a gay man um, who, the guy whose name I can't say, um, initially believed to be a woman based on his Tinder profile, and then he showed up and it was a man, not a woman. I call bullshit, but I'm going to call bullshit on that one. So, yeah, he got found not guilty of murdering him. Because, because what? Because he... Because he was misled. He was transphobic, and he was... This was a trans panic defense. He showed up, and it was not who he thought he was, and he just lost it. Oh, oh my God. Well, that happens all the time. It's called filters. 
I can't handle it. Walk, walk out of the place. Leave the date. You don't have to go out with him. He was so mad. Like, he had such a connection and felt so betrayed that it justifies killing someone. Just based off of his profile. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm glad you said his name wrong because he doesn't deserve the recognition. No. Yeah, pretty much. So, one thing I did find interesting, you can find tons and tons and tons of, like, crimes of passion cases. Yeah. I only could find those three, gay, panic, and trans. But everything I read was like, in 90 cases of this that this was used in, and da-da-da, I could not find any. Right. Why? Well. What? Because we can't hurt men's egos and they don't want to be associated with? I can't. I think, I I, I think that probably... I mean, there's a lot that happens in the judicial system that nobody knows about. And there's a lot of things that are taken down and sealed and whatever so that people don't know, really. And especially, you know, this movement of the LGBTQ. I I don't know the initials and I'm not being disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful because I really do believe that people can do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I have been hit on by lesbians before. I have been, I am not, I am straight even, even though I talk a lot of shit about men. <laughs> you might not believe it, but... I just... <laughs> I talk a lot of shit about men, but I'm not... I'm I'm straight. But I've been hit on by lesbians before. It's not a big deal. It's no different as being hit on... I mean, it is different, but it's not any different in the sense of being hit on by a man that you're not interested in. It's not my gig. But seriously, let's go get some coffee because I want... You know... I mean, like, we can be friends. We can all coexist. It's not a big deal. Set your boundaries. It's not like people who are gay or lesbian are like, no, you will be. I mean, that's not. No, I, I have, mean. I have quite a few lesbian friends that are amazing, amazing rock star human beings. Absolutely. They don't go around talking They're a damn about good time it. at the bar. <laughs> they're a damn good time at the bar. Because they're fun, right? Like, yeah. they just don't. They and, and they don't give a shit about anybody's opinion. Which is so nice. They don't, but they also aren't going to be... They, you're not the only goddamn option. Just like in a relationship or anything else, you are not the only option. Get off your high horse and, and let your ego go for a minute. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with them. Yep. I mean, except me and my situation, Chip. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't with you. I'm on a roll today, aren't I? You are on a roll today, good lord. <laughs> So, as controversial as these defenses are, research shows that they're pretty effective, these defenses. Really? In a sample of 100 cases, it was found that our murder charges that were reduced for using this defense 34% of the time. You'd think that would be lower. Say that again? 100 cases, people using the defense of either crime of passion, Mm -hmm. gay panic, trans panic... Their sentencing has been reduced significantly in 34% of those. Wow. So, per 100 cases, 34 are going to get reduced sentencing because wow. of using that defense. Wow. I wonder... You'd think that'd be like, if that was like 5%, I'm like, okay, uh, maybe they were being abused. Maybe... You know, I wonder how much of that has to do with the actual defense or if it's just like... The role of the dice of the judge and what his, her, slash, they, what their opinions, biases, and experiences are with. 
Because I promise you, if you had a judge sitting up there that was gay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe a little different. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to guarantee, but the law is not black and white. Like, there's this whole gray area where the discretion is left up to that judge, up to that one person. Mm-hmm. And and to say or imply if the law is not black and white, if it's not a mandatory sentence, to say that the judge's experience, blah, 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 does not play a factor into his sentencing and what he does in that courtroom would be ignorant. Right. So of that 34%, 5% would receive acquittals. Acquittals. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. No time. That's disgusting. <clears throat> so I just want to throw this in before I'm done. There's only a few states that have banned gay panic as a form of defense. What are the states that gained it? This is going to piss you off. I'm going to tell you right now Wyoming's not on that list of the banned. You can still use the gay panic defense here. Which shocks me after aftermath. Wow. So... States that have banned the gay panic defense, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maine, Vermont, New York, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, D.C., and Connecticut. That's it. That's it. Seriously? So you can be terrified of the gays and uh, get away with murder, apparently, everywhere else. It's apparently fine. Bet. That is so fucked. Why is that not, why is that still, it, how is it 2023 and we can, like, still pull bullshit freaking defenses out of our ass like that? Oh my gosh. I'm shocked. I was shocked why Wyoming's not on that list. Especially, like, all as conservative as Wyoming is. Yeah, but. I mean. I don't. But also how, like, not, bull, how, like, no bullshit Wyoming is. I don't know. I think that that's a facade that Wyoming puts up for the most part. I don't know. I don't know. Of the three cases I could find, one's from Wyoming and we yeah. still allow the gay panic defense. Are you kidding? No, that's bullshit. So, disappointed in you in the state of Wyoming for that one. Oof. I think if you're gonna, if you have the balls to brutally murder somebody, for why? Yeah, go walk to jail. away. I mean, what the hell? Like, I don't know. That's crazy. How did I do kind of taking like your like your one of your normal topics? Did I do okay? <laughs> yeah, you did all right. I did all right. You did You would good. probably gotten way more information. I could not find any more than those three though. Yeah. Which was kind of wild. No, it's hard sometimes. It's hard what is <clears throat> what's available and what what the what the dialogue is that the the judicial system wants you to know sometimes. I think that that's what it is sometimes. Yeah. Which is frustrating in the sense of, like, because you know they're out there, and we've said it a million times that everybody's story matters, but then you can't find the stories. But then you can't. And you I can't know. tell people's stories, and I that's know. really frustrating. Yeah, it is. Especially from, like, what we want to do. Like, that is, I want to know. I want to know well, their the names. I want to know. know. And they have a right to, yeah. 100%. Well, thank you, Miss Samantha. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Stay safe.